You're missing the point. Has anyone ever said that to you? Have you ever said it to anybody else? Have you been watching the news or hearing a sermon or, or hearing a lecture and just thinking, you're just totally missing the point? Well, today I want to talk about missing the point. And I want to talk specifically about missing the point about something that if you missed the point about this, you have just missed the most important point of all. Uh, this is a point that you want to get clear. Now, uh, in the last year or so, we as a church have really been emphasizing this thing of doing and being. Okay, so, so doing is just what it sounds like. It's what we do. It's our activity. It's our movement. It's our stuff. It's, it's how we live. It's how fast we go. And we've been saying for a long time, actually it goes back several years, where, where, that we've been saying as a culture we are doing too much. We are going too fast. We are not having any kind of inner life because our doing is just driving us. We think we get our significance by doing more. And so the mantra is do more, try harder, do better, pick yourself up, move, move, move. And we've been saying what we're missing is this thing of being. Being is in the moment. It's inner life. It's about connecting with with people. It's about connecting with God. It's about putting spiritual practices in your life so that you learn to slow down and not just do a bunch of stuff, but to do smart stuff, to do not just good stuff, but the best stuff that that we've been been seeking to teach that, that out of being, we should be doing. And it becomes this kind of relationship of doing and being in a, in a, in a healthy way. And so, so we've, been, we've, been, we've been trying to help people understand this. But, but one of the things we've been, we've been understanding is that there's a lot of people who really want to put a lot of emphasis on being, and so they're not doing any doing. And there's a lot of other people who are all about action and doing who aren't doing any being. And both of them are missing the point. Because here's the thing you need to know about really healthy being, that is to create an inner life and healthy relationships, it all starts with another concept called knowing. Knowing Jesus. That out of a, a love relationship, a, a friendship, a companionship, a relationship with Jesus comes this understanding of a healthy inner life that changes how you relate with yourself and God and others. And so if you don't know Jesus, you are missing the point. Okay, let me just ask you a very simple, just straightforward question. Do you know Jesus? Not, do you know about Jesus? Do you do stuff related to Jesus? Do you know the theology of Jesus? But do you know Jesus in a personal way? Do you consider him a person you have a daily living current relationship with? Is he someone who you walk with and you talk with and you interact with? Is Jesus your friend? Because out of that relationship comes a centering that informs the doing that we are supposed to do. You see, you can know a lot of things. You can know church, how church works, and, 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 and all the routines. You can know the Bible. You can know the Bible inside and out. You can know theology. You can know the pastor. You can know doctrine. You can know how to do spiritual practices. But if you don't know Jesus, then you are simply missing the point. Now, we're in a part of the scriptures called the Sermon on the Mount. We're actually wrapping up this message series we've been in for weeks and weeks, months, actually. 
And we're looking at three passages at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount, laid out a different way of doing, a different way of living that was born from being, an inward kind of living that teaches us to do things like turn the, extra, turn, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, love your enemies, forgive, a radically different way of living that comes out of following and knowing Jesus. And at the end of this, he lays out these warnings. And these warnings are basically saying, listen, listen, um, um, I'm not saying, Jesus is, is saying that I'm not saying that my way is a good option or, or one way to look at it. He's saying my way is the only way. So he gives us three illustrations that are really illustrating the same point, but with different aspects. He talks about, you know, there's a wide road or a wide gate. A lot of people find it very popular, leads to death leads to destruction. He said, but my way is a narrow way. Few find it, starts hard, but leads to life. He says, there's, there's a way to build a house, a foolish way, where you build on sand, and, and when you build on sand, uh, that house, when storms come and winds come, because storms and winds are going to come, and one of the reasons they come is to test the life you're building, they get blown away. But if you build on the rock, and what's the rock? The teaching of Jesus, the ethic of Jesus, that house sand stands. The sand, building on the sand, is just current culture and what comes and what it goes. When the storms come, that doesn't stand. The third thing he talks about, and then we're going to look at deeply today, is this thing of being a tree that produces bad fruit or a tree that produces good fruit. And this is about what is coming from your life. What is, what is growing from you. And, and he wants us to understand that this all is about staying connected with Christ, having a relationship with Christ, so that when Christ does return, whether we die and go to be with him, or whether he returns, we're not one of those people who hear, I never knew you. Because, because this is the ultimate example of missing the point. Okay, let's go ahead and, and, and just, let me just remind you uh, of these three kinds of people, okay? There are Christian, non-Christians, so these are people who talk about knowing Christ or loving Christ or believing in Christ, but this person claims to believe in Jesus Christ but does not follow his ethical teachings or example. There's no fruit. There's nothing being produced in their life that creates evidence, that creates confirmation that the thing they call faith is real, that they really know Christ. Now, the other example is a non-Christian Christian. So this is a person who does a lot of really good stuff. They actually do a lot of the kinds of stuff Jesus teaches, but they haven't connected it to a personal love relationship with Christ. It can be people who come to church all the time, and people come to church for a lot of the benefits. You get connected, it's centering, you learn a lot of good principles to make your life better, you can get some good community, but there are people who spend a lot of time in church but don't actually know know Christ, okay? So this is the non-Christian Christian. The Christian, now look at this, is a person who has, look at this, a love relationship with Jesus. That is to say they know Jesus. They, they walk with Jesus. They have daily, repeated interactions with Jesus. Look at this. That completely changes them and naturally leads them to follow in, in the following of Jesus' ethical examples. This is all about understanding that it, all of our doing is being born from being with Christ. Now, let me be very clear about this. We get to God, we follow God by putting our faith and trust in Christ. That establishes a relationship. But when that is real, when that is current, when that is not neglected, it produces fruits in how we live and what we do, listen now, that gives evidence 
that our faith is real, that it's solid. When we go through storms, we go through them differently when we know Jesus. And when we experience the transformation, which is the fruit of knowing Christ, this gives us confidence or what the Bible calls assurance that the faith we are counting on to get us to heaven is actually real. And so what Jesus is saying is that, is that the fruit is the sign of the, the faith, that the doing is evidence of being. So let's go ahead and look at the scriptures. Now, this scripture begins with this conversation about the two kinds of trees. And the specific application of this application, of, the, of this illustration. So you have the two gates, you have the two houses that are being built, one on rock, one on sand. This illustration about the tree, tree and the fruit specifically has to do with leadership. And the kind of leadership that will come in and take the ethical teaching of Jesus, the example of Jesus, the life of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, the truth of the church, the, the people of God, and that person will use that for some purpose that is selfishly about them. Either to make a name for themselves, to control people, to abuse people, to make a lot of money. And, and here's the thing that should just amaze us. Jesus predicted this would happen before he even got started. He said, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to create this beautiful truth and way of living in the world, and I'm going to present it to the world, and there are some evil people who are going to come, and they're going to abuse it. That's why we shouldn't be surprised when we see pastors and priests and popes and leaders and elders and even leaders in the business community who claim to be followers of Christ who become sexually immoral or who steal a bunch of money or who, who abuse people and control people in the most horrible, terrible way. Jesus actually said they were coming. And he has his harshest words for these clowns. Okay? He calls them wolves. Watch this. Beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. So they look good. They're talented. They're charismatic. People like them. You know, they, they, they do a flashy show. Everyone is very impressed with them, particularly in the short term, right? And so they get a pass on a lot of things. They're wearing sheep's clothes. But inwardly, again, the knowing of Christ the inner life, what's really going on inside, they don't know Christ. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. They are about eating the sheep, destroying the sheep, using the sheep, manipulating the sheep, taking from the sheep. Jesus, had, by the way, has strong warnings for any of these. He, he says in one place, he says, any of you that would lead one of the little ones astray, he said, it would be better for you to have a giant rock tied around your neck and to be thrown into the ocean than it will be when you face me at judgment. When you use and abuse my people, that's serious business. You know, the Bible actually says that those who teach, those who are in spiritual leadership particularly, it says they face double judgment. They face judgment for the things they actually did in their own life, but they also face judgment for the things they teach and the actions people took based on the things they taught because they will have to give an account for that. It is a stunning thing. It humbles me. It terrifies me all the time that I will preach and praise God, the Spirit of God, I pray for the Spirit of God, will come and people will hear it and God will speak them and they will make changes in their life based on what the preacher preaches. That is a powerful thing. That is an important thing. That is not something to be taken lightly. It should be taken with reverent fear of God. That's why the Bible says not everyone should be a preacher. Not everyone should be a teacher. Because it's a serious, sober thing. Because there are people who will come 
false prophets. They will look bold. They will look great. They will be impressive. They will come into the world. Jesus said, now look what he says. He says, you will recognize them, look at this, by their fruits, okay? So this is a doing thing. He says, eventually, who they are will come up. So you need to not just watch them for a day or a week or a month. You need to watch them for years. What's coming out of their life? How do they live? How do they treat people? How do they raise their kids? How do they treat their spouse? How do they do their business management? That's why when you look at the qualifications for leadership in the church, almost all the qualifications are not just theologically smart and good leader. The main qualifications is how do they live? What do people say about them? What is the fruit of their life? And over years and years, is there evidence that they live as though they really not only believe in, but they know Jesus. They talk to him. Are they loving? Are they kind? Are they forgiving? Do they turn the extra cheek? Do they go the extra mile? Is wisdom being established in their life as they go in life? Now, not that they're perfect or they're living in the glass house or they're phony or anything like that, but that these folks are the real deal. He says, you'll see them by their fruits. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? He says, if a person ultimately is going to grow, because what you are is what that's what's going to grow from you. If you're an angry person, anger is going to grow from you. But if you're a loving person, love is going to grow from you. Grapes gathered from thorn bushes are figs from thistles. He says, you're going to see what people are by the fruit of their life. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But disease, look at this, look at the words he uses, disease. Wolves, diseased trees bear bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so he's saying, strongest judgment for those who take my word, use my church, abuse my people for power, money, immorality. He says, that is a person who should expect serious judgment on them because Jesus died for the church and people would come in and use the church. It's not a cool thing. So he comes back and says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So again, the fruit, the doing, how they live, listen now, is evidence of the being that is born in the knowing. That they know Christ and they spend time being with Christ that informs how they live and how they act. You see how that works? And when you understand that, it helps you recognize that you're going to see people over years. You got to see people over decades. And all of us are aware there's been just a host of them, and there always has been, it's really nothing new of big name pastors, and this one's having affairs, and this one's stealing money, and this one's abusive to staff and abusive to people, and this one's all about fame and materialism and, and Twitter likes and follows, and this one's getting all political, and they get off on all kinds of different things. They forsake the gospel, and we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus said it was going to happen. What should actually amaze us, and actually there's way more examples of this than you realize, and way more examples, I think, of the negative than this, of the pastors, the leaders, the elders, the spiritual leaders who finish well. Uh, the woman who's a mentor and mentors hundreds of women over her lifetime who does it over years and now she has equipped hundreds of young women to be godly, powerful women, 
families, mothers, it's a beautiful thing, and she finishes well. It's the pastor who serves for years and decades, 30, 40 years. We have just had a host of incredible people of God who have retired. I don't know if you know who Tim Keller is. He's one of my heroes, a pastor who just recently passed away uh, from cancer. And, and the write-ups, even in secular news articles, he pastored in New York, were absolutely stunning. People were saying things like, you know, the thing that's amazing about Tim Keller is there's not any indication of any you know, um, not only false teaching, but, but, but immorality or, or abuse of power or, or any of those um, 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 things. So you have Tim Keller, you have people like John Piper, just a spiritual giant who recently retired, did it so well. Even in our own community, we have a wonderful sister church in this community called The Bridge. And Jerry Kellen, founding pastor, recently retired and handed off this church beautifully and is just doing an incredible job of, of, of shepherding in the way that he is exiting. And there's so many examples of great leadership under shepherds, under the great shepherd Jesus, who understand that someday they will stand before God and give an account for how they pastored, how they led, how they taught. This is true whether or not you're leading, golly, a, a, a class or a small group, that, that, that I am shepherding people. We together are shepherding people towards God. You'll know them by their fruits, the fruits of their life. Listen now and the fruit of the people that followed them. When people follow their teaching, apply their teaching, their lives get better, their life gets healthier, their lives get changed. You know, the, the Bible, one of the ways that false teachers, and the Bible talks a ton about false teachers, and, and very often, it, sometimes it's they're theologically false teachers, that's a thing, but more often it's people who are teaching the right thing in an abusive way or in a way to manipulate. The Bible calls them clouds without water, that their teaching comes and it's going to say, there's going to be rain, we really need rain, and the cloud goes on and the rain never falls. There's nothing life-giving. It's, it's, it's defeating the people, it's crushing the people. One of the indications is, is this a, a leader whose desire is to free people and empower people, or is this a leader who wants people dependent on them? So one of the things I say to people is they'll hear me speak and say, God, God really speaks to you, and I tell them it's because I dug a well. What do you mean? Well, I, I went and I learned how to read the scriptures and I dug this well and, and now I can go into this well and I can get living water and I can drink it and I can bring it to you. And you know what I would really love for you is to not to keep coming to my well. I would love for you to dig your own well, to learn how to listen to God and be empowered to God, to totally not need me, to need nothing but Jesus and the spirit of God. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to equip the saints so that you can do the works of service that God has for you to do. You'll know them by their fruits. Now, again, all of this is built on this understanding, and that's why these two passages are connected, on whether or not we know Christ. Now, look at what he goes into nextly. He, he's talking about doing, so what we do that comes from knowing. So again, doing and being built on the foundation of knowing that because I know Jesus and I am spending time being with Jesus, walking with Jesus, it changes every aspect of my life. So look what he says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. By the way, it's a very serious thing to call Jesus Lord if you don't mean it. Because to call him Lord means that he's boss. He's in control. Everything he asks, the answer is yes. Anything he brings in my life, that's okay. Anything he takes out of my life, that's okay. His way is the right way. He's the one I'm learning and emulating and seeking to be like. 
So when we throw Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, oh Lord, oh I love you Lord, and, and we, are, we have him in a position of anything but Lord, okay? That's a mockery, okay? And so everyone who comes, he says, not everyone who comes to me says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is to say they'll find God. They'll, they'll, they'll live eternally. They'll live in heaven with Christ. He says, but the one, look at this, who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so this sounds like, like works. It sounds like a doing. He says, you can see the evidence of the one who really calls me Lord because ultimately expresses in a change in the way they, they live. That these are people who turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, they love, they forgive, they obey, they seek, and they are growing to become more and more like Christ. They're not perfect but they're changed. They're not what they were. They're not what they will be, but they are different. Jesus has and is changing them. He says that's the evidence. But watch what he does after this. He now talks about the being. He says, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? So he's talking now about those people saying, oh, we, we got the doing. We do all kinds of stuff, and we use Jesus' name to get it done, and it's flashy stuff. It's mighty works. It's miracles. It's demons being cast out. It's the really flashy, you know, uh, uh, exciting stuff. We prophesy. We stand for the right things. We've got a Jesus fish on our car. I mean, we are all in on the Jesus thing. But it's short-term, it's short-lived, it's for show. So these are the people who are doing without any being. He says, the people will come up to me and say, look at all the things that we have done. This is the thing that has earned our place with you. You know, I believe all of us have a destiny that one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for our life. And God on his throne in some way, some fashion will say to us, you know, why should I let you into heaven? And, and, and I, you know, if I, when I'm there, you know, I am not going to say, well, you know, I, I get to go into heaven because I was a pastor. And people came and listened to me speak. And, and we did a lot of these really cool programs. And there were times we helped the poor. And we did this thing with the homeless. And, oh, we did all these amazing things, awesome things. You know, I, I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is this. I'm going to say, listen, uh, I'm a sinner and I'm broken. And the only chance I have by being accepted by you is that your son Jesus there by your right hand He's my friend, and I know him, and he died for me. And he, he said, if I put my faith and trust in who he is and what he did and how he died and how he rose from the dead, that you would forgive me and, and take me into heaven. That's my only hope. I got nothing else to offer. And then the father will look at the son and say, son, is this one of yours? And he says, yeah, this is one of mine. And then he'll say in the books of judgment that the book of Revelation talks about, he says, is there any evidence that he really believed this and really followed? So yeah, there's all kinds of evidence. He wasn't perfect, but he was changed. I mean, look at the way he loved and look at the way he lived. Look at the changes that he did. He did the doing not to earn my love, but because he had my love. The, the doing was the evidence of the being. And that's why I believe, and I have confidence, I have assurance. Because of this, assurance has been given. This is what the book of 1 John says. It says, the Spirit of God testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. And it's confirmed based on the promises of Jesus that whoever believes in me shall be saved. It's confirmed in the evidence of a transformed life that Jesus changes the way I live. And so when, 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 when I go before him, I'm not going to hang my head on what I'm done. I'm going to hang my, my hope on who Jesus is in my relationship with what I have done as evidence of that. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Not I knew you once and I didn't know you anymore. Not that you had it and now you broke it or you didn't do enough work so you don't get to keep it. 
He says, I never knew you. You were never part of this deal. It was always about you. You used a religious facade to pretend you knew me, but it was something else. Jesus talked about this with the religious leaders. You know what he called them? He called them whitewashed tombs. The idea that you'd go to this sepulcher, this, this big sepulcher, and it was painted, it was beautiful, there's flowers, but there's a body inside. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're rotting bones inside, but inside, you're outside, you're all pretty. He says, you got no inside. And that's what he said to the religious leaders. So these are the people who are all doing no being. Just like the people who are all being, but there's no evidence of doing that shows their being is not based on the knowing of Jesus Christ. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You are breaking the law. You are breaking the rules. You are, you are a, a person of, 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 of ill manner and, and, and evil intent. And, and you have no part in me. Okay? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Uh, this got on there twice because it was just so good I thought we should read it twice. Okay? Um, this is what Jacob's well is all about. This is the vision. Wherever we are on a journey. So it starts open, equal, anybody can come. Whosoever will can come. But you got to come. He says, whoever, uh, wherever you're on your journey, we will take steps together. So it's all about, you know, movement, one step at a time, not one big decision, not one great event, not one teary prayer. It's about movement over time, over life. You know, one of the reasons you can have assurance of your salvation is if you endure. If you go through some scary stuff and some difficult stuff and some trials and you're still following Jesus... That creates a different level of faith that grows to be this assurance. It's what First Peter says when, when he says, he says, though you do not see him, you know him. Though do you not see him now, you believe in him for you are full with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Trials show that your faith is real, that your knowing is real. And when you go through that, man, it changes everything. And so we're taking steps to do what? Look at this. No. That's a relational term. That's a friendship term. We are coming to know, to walk with Jesus and become like Jesus. So out of the knowing comes the doing. Out of the knowing comes the being, the spending time with Christ. And the more we learn how to connect with him everywhere, every day, and, and, and that just leads to a change in who we actually are. So let me just remind you again, something I've said, but, but again, if you miss this point, you've missed the point. Okay, Jesus does not call us to pray a prayer so he can give us life. So if your whole thing is, you understand, I prayed a prayer a long time ago, really didn't affect me much, but, but you know, it's kind of like a fire insurance thing. Okay, I prayed that sinner's prayer, so I'm good, right? Okay, and there's no transformation. There's no evidence. There's no current relationship walking with Christ. Jesus did not do that. What did Jesus do? Jesus calls us to follow him so he can become our life. Okay, he wants to become your life. He wants you to be obsessed with him. He is Lord, he is master. When we follow him, follow is the active form of belief. It's when belief becomes doing, okay? So when Jesus came to his early disciples, he came to them and he, he'd find one at a tax collector's booth or some fishing and he'd say, hey, hey, follow me, follow me. He said it over and over again. And what that meant was he was a rabbinical teacher. In the rabbinical tradition, that meant you're going to come live with me. You're going to study me. You're going to understand me. You're going to learn my ways. What, what I do, you're going to do. So I'm going to teach you how to pray by praying with you. I'm going to teach you how to deal with enemies 
by you watching how I deal with my enemies. I'm going to talk, show you what forgiveness is all about by dying on a cross for you. And the things that you see in me, you do also. Learn me. Follow me. I don't want to be part of your life. I don't want to give you life. I want you to make me your life. Okay? This is what Jesus came to do. Jesus, who is our life. So, make Jesus your life by following him. Okay? So, so understand this. Now, now, there may be a lot of people in a lot of different places here. Some people may be here, and you've been all about doing and trying to prove yourself, both in the church and out of the church, right? And so your whole mantra is, do more, try harder, I'm sorry I'm not better, and you keep trying to prove you're good enough, that's a trap. That's works. It's going to kill you. There's others who say, you know what? I got a lot of problems in my life. I'm not really serious about following Jesus. But hey, I, I prayed the prayer. I've been baptized. I'm good. I've been confirmed. I'm in church. God, come on, you know, give me a break. Okay? But Jesus is like part of your life, but he's a long way from your life. And then there's another group of people who maybe there was a season where you were all about Jesus. You talked with him. You walked with him. You knew him. But the relationship has got cold. Same thing can happen in a marriage. Same thing can happen in a friendship. And so Jesus seems distant, and you're starting to notice that the doing of your life feels mechanical, empty, or even broken. Okay? So what this is, is a call to discover or to renew a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you a little bit what that looks like. Let me say this first. Everywhere you are going to be this week, Jesus is going to be there. You wake up in the morning, there he is. You drive in your car, he's sitting right by you. You go to work, you drive to Iowa and stand in a cornfield. Jesus is there. So you will never not be with Jesus. Are you going to interact with him this week? Are you going to talk with him? Are you going to thank him? Are you going to see him? Because when you have a love relationship with Jesus, it's kind of like being married to someone and not acknowledging them, that relationship's going to get broken. Are you going to take time to open the book and study what he said so that you can hear from him? Are you going to learn about the Holy Spirit so you can listen to the prompting so that Jesus becomes real? You know, I was thinking about this this week in my own life because what this passage of Scripture is actually meant to do is it's meant to stop us all and, and scare us a bit, unsettle us a bit, that what if I'm one of those people who think and I'm not? What if I'm one of those people who, who, who he's going to say, I never knew you? Okay? And, and so I thought to myself, what's the evidence in my life for a relationship in my life? Because there are times I can look and say, there are things that aren't right. This isn't good together. There are times when my love for God feels cold. But then I just took a step back and I started, you know what I did is I went to Jesus and I started to pray. So Jesus, what's the answer to this? And, and what, what, what is the evidence? And this is what I came up with. These are just some things that are true about how I walk with Jesus. And there are days these are very true, days not as true, but most days this is just, just my life. I talk with Jesus every day. I talked to him this morning. He says hi, by the way. And I, and, 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 I, and, I, and I talk to him all the time during the day. It's not even a conscious thing. It's just Jesus, what should we do about this? What should we do about this? What about that person? Oh, Lord, bless that person. Oh, Lord, strike that one down. I'm sorry, Jesus, don't strike that one down. <laughs> Help that one. Maybe just trip him. But no, no, I'm sorry, Jesus. You know, you know what you should do. 
Here's your deal. I, I talk through problems with him, questions, frustrations with him. These kids, I don't know what to do. I'm so scared for them, and I don't, they're not making choices. What am I going to do? I hear from his word. I open the word, and there are times when I study the word, it just comes alive. I hear Jesus speaking to me. I experience his comfort when I'm afraid. I experience conviction and, and, and correction when I'm doing something I ought not. I see him in creation and trees and winds and waters and grass. You know, I call my fishing boat, it's a joke, but it's not really a joke. I call it the word so I can say I'm in the word all the time. You know, um, that's my fishing boat. And the thing I, reason I do that is because I find God in that beautiful place, thrown away this beautiful thing, and I see him and I talk to him. I thank him all the time. You got a fish. Thank you, Jesus, for the fish. I thank him for blessings, for food, for family, for safety. I implore him for my kids and my family all throughout the day. I'm in awe of his greatness, and I have a holy fear and reverence for him. There are things I don't do and don't say because I know it would upset him and dis disrespect him. At times, I'm overwhelmed by his love. There have been times I've been in, in moments of despair, and there's, it's like, it's like, beyond a wave. It's, 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 it's an immersion, and I just know that I am loved. I ask him when I do not know what to do. I experience his forgiveness when I sin, his healing when I'm sick. I, I, I've experienced those days when I get busy with the doing, and he slips out of my mind and my consciousness. In the afternoon, I think, I haven't thought of you all day, Jesus. Man, I've missed you. And my soul reconnects with him in that way. I think of him when I wake. I think of him when I go to sleep. I rely on his power and strength. I just prayed backstage. Jesus, give me the strength to get through this sermon and do this sermon. I just need you. I experience him when I use my gifts and teach and preach and lead. When I'm doing the thing I'm created to do, I just feel the Spirit of God. I feel the Spirit of God. Jesus is with me at this moment. I just, I experience him. I'm delighted by him as he opened up, as I open up the scriptures. Sometimes when I'm studying for you, I will see something in the scriptures. I just have to walk away from my screen. It's just so beautiful, so powerful, so real. It's just glorious. I've been strengthened and made brave when I feel threatened and attacked by his presence. I trust him with what I can't control, especially the future. I give him a blank check in my life that ultimately, when he asks me to do anything, the answer is yes. He has permission to take anything or bring anything in my life. He's my example. He's my guide. He's my obsession. He shapes how I do my relationships. How I treat my wife is based on the example of how Jesus treated the church. He died for the church. How I seek to raise my children, how I seek to be a friend, how I treat my enemy is informed by Jesus. He shapes every aspect of my life to some degree. And those parts that aren't shaped, he is shaping. It is being changed. I am not all that I should be, but I certainly am not what I was. And I am being changed as I walk with Christ. The more I abide in him, the more I stay connected with him, the more my doing becomes a natural outflow, the more that the fruit naturally grows from the tree. He has not given me life, he is my life. See, this is what Jesus meant in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He said, without me, you can do nothing. He says, the minds that stay connected with the branches, he says this, the ones that are fruitful, he said, I prune. I cut off the leaves so more fruit can grow. And pruning can just feel hard sometimes, okay? He says, he says the ones who are, who are very fruitful, you know, who stays in me, will be much fruitful. He says this, he says, the ones that produce no fruit, that lose their connectedness to the vine, he says, we cut those off. Even if they got a lot of leaves, a lot of exterior stuff, we cut those off, we throw them away, we burn them. He says, so stay connected to me. It is all about your love relationship, the knowing of Jesus. So let me just ask you again, 
Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Because you can come to Jacob's well for years and get a lot of benefit, a lot of friendship, a lot of good teaching, a lot of practical help, a lot of encouragement. But if you don't know Jesus, you are missing the point. Everything else is window dressing if you do not have Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do is I just want to have a conversation with my friend Jesus. And I want to invite you into it. And I just want to reconnect us and reintroduce us. And maybe for you, this is the first time you've ever thought about actually consciously talking to Jesus and, and you need a relationship with him. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna embrace him again for the first time. Maybe for you, you said there was a time it was like that, but lately I, you know, I've had some beef with Jesus. I'm just not good with Jesus. I've been indifferent. Ha <sighs> okay. I need to rediscover. Maybe today, this whole week, Jesus has just been so Jesus to you. And, and you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Wherever you're on your journey, let's take this step together of talking to him. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. And we want your name to be on our lips and our lives, defining us. When we call you Lord, we want that to be real. Boss, controller, example, the one who has full reign in our life. We want to express our love to you. We want to express our gratitude for you. We want to express our reliance on you. We need you every moment of every day. And those times when you slip our mind and slip to the edge of our consciousness, help us miss you, long to reconnect with you. Change us in ways we need to be changed. Empower us in ways we need to be empowered. Deepen us in ways that we need to be deepened. Help us never satisfy be satisfied with someday you'll give us life in heaven. Help us to deeply long, deeply long to, to, to make you our life. Help us agree with the Apostle Paul who says, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. I have forsaken all things, consider them rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Help us to remember your prayer, Lord Jesus, on the night you died, you said, Father, this is eternal life, that they might know me and you, Father, who, who, who sent him. Father God, I just pray that this would be our life, this would be our obsession, that Jesus, you would be our life. Now, Father, for the ones who are here today and have never had a relationship with you, we just reaffirm, each one of us, that we believe, Jesus, you really lived, that you died on the cross for our sins, that you rose from the grave, and we put our full faith and trust for relationship and for forgiveness and what Jesus, you did for us on the cross. And from that, we want to know you, we want to follow you, we want to live in you, we believe in you, and we declare that. Teach us, Father, to be people who do not just give lip service, who do not just do a bunch of stuff that looks religious, but people who make our obsession to know and become like your son, Jesus. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.